0: Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, everyone. My name is Cody Westbrook, and you're listening to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, which is a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We are resuming our study of the book of Nehemiah for this episode. And in this particular study, we're going to focus our attention on Nehemiah chapter 7. We have seen the progression of the book of Nehemiah to this point, where Nehemiah first learned about the problem in Jerusalem. That is, of course, that the walls were broken down, that the people were in uh, disarray. And so It broke Nehemiah's heart and he approached God in prayer. He came up with a plan in order to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls and begin the process of helping God's people, Israel, uh, reclaim their lives after having spent 70 years in Babylon in captivity. So up to this point in the book, we've seen the preparation for that project, the planning. Then we've seen the actual working of the project, the plan that uh, Nehemiah put in place as it was executed. We also saw how Nehemiah dealt with some difficulties and some confrontation as he sought to uh, carry out this plan. And now that we get to Nehemiah chapter 7, we come to the point where finally the plan sees its completion. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15 begins Uh, as follows. The Bible says, Nehemiah 6.15, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by God. And in those days the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them, For many in Judah were pledged to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah the son of Ara. Uh, And his son Jehonan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. And also they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him. Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. Then it was when the walls were built. Nehemiah chapter 7 and verse number 1. Now, I want us to step away from the text of Nehemiah just for a moment, and I want you to imagine in your mind, maybe you've seen or you can remember taking uh, tours or seeing photographs of old buildings. And maybe you've seen pictures of those buildings when they first were built, when they originally were opened. And you can see in your mind's eye, you can see the pristine uh, paint Uh, the beautiful paint that adorned the walls of the building. You can see the perfect architecture. You can see all of the furnishings, the furniture, and the uh, various things that adorned and made the building beautiful and a wonderful place to behold. But then fast forward years later and you look at that same building and now that building is in ruins. It's in rubble. The beauty and grandeur that once uh, characterized that edifice have long since passed. And if you're like me, you look and you feel a twinge of sadness and you wonder, well, what happened here? Well, the answer is that at some point in time, someone stopped caring for that building. You see, that's the way things are in this world. The physical creation that God has made, because of the second law of thermodynamics, things things break down. And so whenever you buy a new car or whenever you buy a new house, maybe have a new house built, the first day you have that new car smell and the paint is perfect. There are no scratches. There's uh, no food crumbs or dust in the interior of the car. But then after a while when you drive it, you begin to notice that that car begins to deteriorate a little bit at a time. You find a little bit more dust and it's a little bit more difficult to keep it clean. After a while, there's a scratch or two that shows up on the outside of the car. New things break down. And what we have to do if we want to keep them in good order is we have to protect them. We have to clean them. We have to maintain them. Well, the same principle applies when we're talking about the church and when we're talking about the work of God. When we look at our congregations We look at all of the works that we do. We look at all of the the areas in which we're involved, and we recognize that those things have to be maintained, that sometimes a congregation just simply needs to undergo routine maintenance. It needs to be protected. Well, what happens if it doesn't? Well, sadly, we have far too many illustrations of the results of a congregation that is not protected and maintained there are a number of congregations of God's people scattered throughout this country. That, if you went back in history a few decades, you would find that that congregation was big and growing and thriving. And uh, if you would have asked someone 30, 40 years ago in these congregations, if they, if would, you, if you had asked them if they could possibly imagine that congregation of three or 400 people shrinking down to about 50 people. They would have said, no, it's difficult to imagine how that could ever happen, but it does. You see, if we neglect to maintain and to protect a congregation and its works, if we neglect uh, preparing that congregation for the future and for the challenges of the future, then just like that new car or that new house, that new building, over time, it will deteriorate And what is great and grand today may not be very great or grand in the future. So looking at the book of Nehemiah then, Nehemiah chapter 6 tells us that Nehemiah has completed his work and Nehemiah does not want to see that work crumble. So when we look at Nehemiah chapter 7, what we have is a chapter that's all about protection. In this chapter, we find Nehemiah taking steps to ensure the long term success of his work in the future. And I want to notice what it is that Nehemiah does in Nehemiah chapter 7 that helps to ensure that success. Number one, emphasize spiritual priorities. Emphasize spiritual priorities. Look at Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 1, and also Nehemiah chapter 7 and verse 3. In Nehemiah 7, 1, the Bible says that uh, when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed, and then in verse number 3, he says, I said to them, and he's talking about uh, those mentioned in verse 1 and 2, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot, and while While they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at this watch station and the other in front of his own house. Now, what is going on in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 1 and verse 3? Well, first of all, Nehemiah is emphasizing spiritual priorities. Notice in verse number 1, he mentions the gatekeepers. Your version, the King James Version, might say the porters. The New King James Version says the gatekeepers. Well, what's the purpose of a gatekeeper? The purpose of a gatekeeper is to guard against the enemy's attack. The purpose of the gatekeeper is to make sure that no one is admitted entrance into the city that doesn't belong in the city. You see, Nehemiah knew that the city of Jerusalem was vulnerable, and so he put watches, he put guards, he put gatekeepers in place in order to keep a lookout. He's finished the wall, but he is not prepared to let his guard down. Why? Because the moment we let our guard down, we've invited the enemy to come on in. And so when we think about the work of the church, there is sometimes the temptation to relax whenever the work is complete. We set out maybe, for example, to build a visitation program or an evangelism program, and we work very hard in order to get that program started, to make sure that all the building blocks and the ingredients are in place. And then finally, at long last, when we say, all right, we've we've got this thing going, it's working, there's the temptation sometime to step back and put it on autopilot and just let it go on its own. But we can never, ever do that because the truth is that the work is never complete and so we can never relax. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, therefore beloved brethren be steadfast, unmovable, listen to this, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Notice the uh, the uh, the uh, the force of that of that statement, be steadfast, be unmovable and always abounding, in other words, never stop. Never get to a point where you feel you've arrived. Never get to a point where you feel satisfied in what's been accomplished. But always keep going, and always be on the lookout. Always be on guard for complacency and for the attacks of the enemy. Remember that last uh, in our last episode, we looked at the attacks. From Nehemiah's enemies in Nehemiah chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6. And those attacks took many different forms. Some of them were external, some of them were internal, but they kept coming. And Nehemiah had to keep fighting. Well, just because we finish our work, whatever the, the goal happens to be, doesn't mean the atta- that the attacks are going to stop. We always have to be on guard. But second, as Nehemiah sought to emphasize spiritual priorities, I want you to notice that he remembered the spiritual component of his work. He wasn't just interested in guarding against enemies from the outside, but he also wanted to make sure that the spirituality of the people was as it should be. For example, notice in Nehemiah 7 verse 1, we have the singers and we have the Levites. As soon as the wall was built and the doors were hung... He, he made sure that the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites were appointed. Well, what are the singers and the Levites? These are the ones who are involved in the spiritual component of the children of Israel. You see, the people had been toiling in manual labor for a long time, but they needed to remember the real reason why they were working so hard, and that was the purpose of the singers and the Levites. You see, Malachi chapter 2 and verse number 7 tells us that the priests, the Levites rather, were the ones who were supposed to always be preaching and teaching the Word of God. They were to constantly be reminding the people of their spiritual priorities. Just by way of application, what are some of the priorities that the Bible lays out for us, the things that should motivate us, to work in the service of God, the things that we should always remember. Well, first of all, we need to remember that motive is important. First Samuel chapter fifteen, verse twenty-two. Uh, Obedience is better than sacrifice. Psalm fifty-one, verse sixteen and seventeen, a pure and a contrite heart God desires. Micah six and verse number eight, what does the Lord require of you? But to uh, love mercy and to practice justice and to walk humbly before the Lord your God, motive matters. God is not only concerned with our actions, He is concerned with the reason behind the actions. And speaking of reason, here's the second thing that ought to always be at the forefront of our minds. The spiritual things that ought to always motivate us, the things that we ought to remember as far as why we work for the Lord, and that is our love for the Lord. John 14:15 Jesus said if you love me keep my commandments. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 the apostle Paul said that the love of Christ constrains us for we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead and that he died so that they uh, who were dead might have life eternal. We remember the love that Christ had for us 2 Corinthians 8 and verse number 9. We remember our love for each other 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse number 20. We ought always to keep in mind spiritual riches, a spiritual retirement account, as Jesus discussed in Matthew 6 and verse 19. And of course, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 16 says that all things that are done are to be to the glory of God. So, Nehemiah chapter 7 verses 1 to 3, what does it tell us? What does it emphasize? It emphasizes the importance of spiritual priorities As we're going about doing our work in the church, whether it's evangelism, whether it's benevolence, whether it's preaching and teaching the Word of God, whatever it is, from studying God's Word with a person to mowing the grass and keeping the church grounds in good working order, we have to always remember to emphasize spiritual priorities because that is the most important thing. And if we ever stop emphasizing spiritual priorities, If we ever stop loving the Lord, if we ever stop seeking to give glory to God, if we ever stop preaching and teaching God's Word, which is the power to save, then we're going to see our congregations begin to crumble and deteriorate. Number two, notice the importance of emphasizing and developing godly leadership. Nehemiah 7, verse 2, I gave charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Nehemiah, when you finished the walls of Jerusalem, what did you do? First of all, I made sure to see to the spiritual priorities of God's people. Nehemiah 7, verse 1. Second of all, I made sure to to put godly men in in charge who could lead the people and keep God's people on the proper path. You see, Nehemiah knew that he couldn't do the job all on his own, and he knew that he wouldn't be around forever, and so he found two men, Hanani and Hananiah, and the Bible says that these were faithful men of God. You see, as it pertains to the church of our Lord we ought to always be mindful of the constant need to emphasize and to develop godly leadership. We need men like Moses. We need men like Daniel. We need men like the seven who were chosen to serve in Acts chapter 6. And what we have to recognize is that godly leaders do not happen by accident. Too often, the reason why congregations suffer from a lack of, of good leadership is because they wait until it's an emergency situation in order to say, hey, we need more godly leaders. No, we ought to always be working to develop godly leadership, always, without exception. And this is because the standard that God has set for godly leadership is so high. Read 1 Timothy chapter 3. Read Titus chapter 1 and notice the qualifications for elders and for deacons. We ought to be training our young men from the earliest of ages to be developing those characteristics in their life, regardless of whether or not they ever do serve as an elder. All of those principles, all of those qualifications for being an elder or for being a deacon in those two chapters, those are characteristics that every child of God should strive to possess. And so we need to develop this kind of character in our children and in young men always, without exception, always emphasize godly leadership because the work of the church is going to struggle if there's no godly leadership to be found. Number three, we must plan for the future. Nehemiah chapter 7 now, verse 4 and 5, listen to what the Bible says, Nehemiah says, Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not rebuilt. Then God put it into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers, the people, that they might be registered by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up in the first return, and I had found written, and, uh, I found written in it. And then he goes on to tell us what he finds. Now what's the lesson here? Well, the lesson here is that Nehemiah knew that the city of Jerusalem was going to grow. You see, today the people are few, Nehemiah says, but Nehemiah is not focused only on today. He is not a short sighted leader. He is looking toward the future. He's focused on tomorrow. He knows that God's people have just come to the end of 70 years of captivity. He knows that they have been and will continue to be released to come home. He knows that the wall has been rebuilt, that the temple is being rebuilt. He knows that the city is being rebuilt, and ultimately more and more people are going to come home. But when they get here, where are they going to live? What are they going to find when they arrive What kind of business, what kind of economy, what kind of commerce, what kind of jobs are going to be available? What about food? What are all of the people going to eat? You see, these are the things that Nehemiah was thinking about and planning for. So in our work as the Church of Christ, what are we planning for? How are we thinking about the future? You see, what we need to realize, and I think this is a very sobering point to consider, is that the work we do today will bear fruit into the future, and that fruit will either be good or bad. If We, we, we ought to think about our congregations from the standpoint of stewardship, meaning we're stewards of the congregation. We're stewards of the work that God has given us because none of us are going to live forever. And so there's going to come a time in which our children and grandchildren, in which future generations are going to step up and we're go- they're going to inherit the congregation from us. Well, what congregation? What kind of congregation are we going to leave them? Are we going to leave them a congregation with great work, with good plans and procedures and with good leadership and leadership training and good gospel preaching? Or Are we going to leave them good and healthy congregations? Or are we going to leave them congregations that are lacking in leadership because we never, we never put forth the effort to train it? Are we going to leave them congregations that struggle financially because we didn't make sure to uh, practice good stewardship with the Lord's money? Are we going to leave them congregations that are weak spiritually because we didn't make sure that there was good preaching and teaching and planning for the future? What steps are we taking to ensure that the fruit is good Number four, the fourth thing as it pertains to protecting the work of God for the future is to develop talent for the future. When you start in Nehemiah 7 and verse 6 and you read all the way through verse number 60, you're going to notice a number of individuals mentioned and you're going to notice a number of groups mentioned. In fact, there are five. There are the priests, number one. There are the Levites, number two; the singers, number three; the gatekeepers, number four; and the temple servants, number five. Now, all of these are mentioned as those who were uh, recorded according to genealogy. And the lesson here is that all of this reminds us, similar to what we saw uh, a couple of uh, uh, back in Nehemiah chapter uh, Nehemiah chapter three. It reminds us of the fact that everyone has a job to do and that we must train future generations to be able to do those jobs to the glory of God. We can read about this very thing in the New Testament, like in Titus chapter 2, where Paul commands Titus, he says, you need to teach, tell the command the older men to be teaching the younger men. Command the older women to be teaching the younger women. The same kind of thing in Romans 12, verses 4 to 8, in 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, You see, every person has a role to play, a job to do within the congregation, but we find within God's Word this emphasis that the older generation has to take a genuine interest in the younger generation. There can't be a division between the two. It can't be, well, the the older generation, they think one way and they do their thing, and then the younger generation, they think their way and they do their thing over there. No, no, that can't be. That's not healthy. There always has to be a genuine interest that the older generation takes in the younger generation in order to train them, in order to bring them up as uh, God would have them to do. Number five. Number five. If we're trying to protect the work of God going on to the future, the fifth thing that has to happen is that we have to stay firmly planted within the Word of God. If you notice Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 61 through 65, you will notice that there are some who desire to be numbered with the Israelites and with the priests, but they could not prove their ancestry, and so Nehemiah would not allow them to be numbered with the Israelites and the priests, and he made no exceptions. Why is that? The reason is because if you go back and read carefully in the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you'll notice that in the law of Moses, God was very specific and uh, that uh, the priests were to be made up of the tribe of Levi. And so Nehemiah knew that that's what God's word said. He knew that's the, what the law was, and he wasn't willing to make an exception to that law. That teaches us, among other things, the importance of staying firmly rooted in the word, and in the law of God. The Bible will say in Deuteronomy 5.32 that we ought not to depart from God's word neither to the right hand nor to the left. And in Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 12, the Bible emphasizes the importance of indoctrinating every single generation with the truth of God and teaching them the importance of making no exceptions to what God's word says. You see, if we want congregations that are going to be strong and that are going to be protected, works that are going to be protected and maintained all into the future, it is going to require a firm conviction on God's Word. Too many congregations have struggled and have died, shriveled up and died because they stopped in their, uh, they, they lost their conviction as to what is true they stopped standing firmly upon God's word and they allowed uh, exceptions to what God teaches and uh, those things caused those congregations to become spiritually unhealthy and spiritually unhealthy congregations they will eventually they will they will die read revelation chapters 2 and 3 and notice what Jesus says to the seven churches in Asia minor several of those congregations had problems internally The church at Pergamos, for example, allowed false doctrine to go on within its membership. And Jesus condemned them for it and warned them sternly that if they didn't repent, that they were were going to be punished, that they were going to suffer the consequences of that. Friends, we have to keep in mind the importance of staying firmly implanted in God's Word. And finally, number six, be generous. In verses 66 through 73... Of Nehemiah chapter 7, we have a gen- an outline of the generosity of many of the people. For example, in verse number 70, some of the heads of the father's houses gave to the work. The governor gave to the treasury uh, 1,000 gold drachmas, 50 basins, and 530 priestly garments. Some of the head of the father's houses gave to the treasury of the work 20,000 Uh, gold drachmas and uh, 2,200 silver minas, and that which the rest of the people gave was 20,000 gold drachmas, 2,000 silver minas, and 67 priestly garments. Well, what does this teach us? It teaches us of the importance of being generous. You see, remember that Nehemiah and the people, the children of Israel at this time, they were in a similar situation to many of our congregations today. They had been in captivity for 70 years. Their temple and the city had been completely destroyed. And now they've gone home. They're rebuilding it all. In many ways, they're starting from scratch. The sad reality is that because of the COVID-19 pandemic over the last year, many congregations in our world, in our country, have have been hurt very badly. And to some degree, they're starting from scratch trying to rebuild the membership, trying to get works that are, that are going again, trying to, to help the congregation to grow and to be active in the service of God. And that takes generosity. That takes sacrifice. That's exactly what was going on in Nehemiah chapter 7. God needs people who are generous with their abilities, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2. God needs people who are generous with their time, Galatians 6 verse 10. He needs people who are generous with their money, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. He needs people who are generous with their life, Luke 14 and verse number 33. If we're going to protect the work of God, if we're going to make sure that the good works of our congregations are healthy and thriving in years to come, then that means we have to emphasize spiritual priorities. We have to keep the first things first. We have to emphasize and develop godly leadership, always being about the business of training future leaders. We have to plan for the future and develop talent for the future and stay firmly planted in God's Word. And we have to be generous in what we give and in how we give. All of these things are highlighted for us in Nehemiah chapter 7 as Nehemiah sought to protect this great work that had finally seen its completion. Well, that's the end of our study for this episode, and we thank you for taking the time to open up God's Word and to study with us. We encourage you to visit our website, www.swcfc.org. We also encourage you to come and visit with us at the Southwest Congregation, at whatever opportunity you may have. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode and for uh, spending some time in God's Word with us. We hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends and your family about the work that we're doing and keep us in your prayers as you certainly are in ours. Until next time, may God bless you, and we look forward, Lord willing, to be able uh, again to open up the wonderful Word of Life and study together. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcovc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.